0: We are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups, there's events calendar so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. Be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org app. That's bayshorecc.org app and find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Amen. Well, as you can see, we are in our series called The Church. Uh, My name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm the executive pastor here for those who don't know me. Uh, Pastor Danny and Karen are on vacation this week, getting a much-deserved little break and getting refreshed and rejuvenated for uh, what's coming up this fall. So would you do me a favor this week? Would you pray for your pastor this week? Maybe in your quiet time, just say a little prayer and ask God to rejuvenate them, to restore them, to give them dreams and visions. Because let me tell you, uh, being the leader can take its toll. How many, if you've ever started your own business and you have employees and you've grown a business, you know that there's something to being that leader. When the buck stops with you, there's a weight, there's a burden that you carry that nobody else can understand until they've been in that position. And so the same is true of our leader here. And, and Danny is an amazing leader. Pastor Danny and Karen are amazing leaders and uh, I love them and I just want, Uh, this time for them to be uh, inspirational and God to speak to them. So do me a favor and join me this week in praying for them as they are uh, on vacation together. Hey, I want to take a moment and welcome all of our people online, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or watching the playback on the church app or uh, maybe you're listening to the podcast. I want you to know that you are part of our community Uh, Even though you're not here, we have hundreds of people, thousands a week who listen all over the country and even around the world. Some people are tuning in to what is happening here in lower Sussex County. And so it's because of you and what you guys do and your support and your your constants here in uh, Sussex County that people all around the world are being able to be impacted by Bayshore community church and what's happening here. And so uh, you guys are part of our family. You're part of what God is doing uh, uh, through Bayshore, and we're uh, excited about that and just want to welcome uh, you here as well. So man, the church, what a great series uh, this has been, right? I mean, Pastor Danny has just been on fire this series, I think, and I've been so enjoying this uh, study through the book of Acts and so today, uh, we're going to continue in the topic of the church. I want to talk about a key, crucial element of what I believe the, the church is called to do. But we're going to step out of Acts just for a moment this week and look at some other scriptures to, um, to, uh, to make the point this morning. So I got to thinking about the message this week. And how many of you uh, use an app on your phone like Find Friends or Life 360, maybe if you're on Android, or I think Google Maps actually does this thing where you can uh, locate your friends, or in my case, uh, I can keep tabs on all of my kids uh, through my phone. It's a great app. I've got a little picture here. I'll show you if you if you're not sure what I'm talking about, where you can literally pull up your map, and on the map, you can see Every little uh, a place that your kids are. So here's uh, my two daughters are up here. My son, I know my wife is there. She was getting her toes done at that moment. I knew what she was doing. And so I can keep tabs on all of my kids. And I got to think, man, that's kind of like cheating, isn't it? It's kind of like cheating. Like I think about when I was a teenager, if my parents would have had an app like this, man, I would have been in some big trouble. Can I get an amen from anybody? Woo! Like, thank God they didn't have this app when I was a kid because I'd be in trouble. You know, these apps are so good these days. There's, uh, I think it's the Life 360 one. If you have this app, you can literally pull up where your kids are on the map and you can see how fast they're traveling. (laughs) Right, like you could know if your kid's in your car, if they're in your nice new SUV and they're running around speeding in it. You'll know by that app. And so it's a great Great tool. And, man, I'm thankful I didn't have it when I was a kid. But, boy, as a parent, I love him. I love this app. And so it's a great, great tool for knowing where my kids are, what my kids are doing. And so I was thinking about, you know, when my kids were real little, um, you know, I have uh, 14 all the way up to 21. Did I get that right? 14. I have four kids, 14 up to 21. But when they were little, you know, I remember, like, there was that first stage of hide-and-seek, right, where you'd have the baby and you'd go, where's the baby, right? And it was fun, right? The kids would laugh, and that's all you needed to do, just cover their eyes and then, or cover your eyes. And, and it was great, and that was great fun for them. And so that was the first stage of hide-and-seek. And then they get a little older, and, you know, you're in the same room, and, right, you cover your eyes, and you count to 10, right? And then when you're done counting to 10, you, you turn around, and they're still standing right there, right? <laughs> and they just have their eyes closed. And they think because they can't see you, you can't see them. And so what do you do? You walk around you're like, where's Chase? I don't know where Chase is. I can't find Chase. And then he uncovers his eyes. He's like, here I am, right? And so there's this progression of hide and seek. And then eventually they actually figure out hide and seek. But, but how many remember the first time that hide and seek backfired on you in a department store? Anybody remember this? right? I've got a story, right? When uh, my son Chase, who is now 18, getting ready to go off to Vancouver to school of ministry, uh, when he was about three years old, we were at Sam's Club one day. And so uh, we're walking around Sam's Club and my brother was with me. I have an older brother, he's three years older, and he was there with us and we were shopping. And, and so it was my brother's job to keep track of Chase, right? Now Chase, you got to understand, was one of those kids like um, you know, he'd be up the, the trussing over there right now, probably half naked, right? He'd be running around. He's just one of those kids. He was always into everything, always trying to take off his clothes, always trying to climb something, always trying to, like, pull something apart, right? Anybody got a kid like that? Man, he just, where are you out? And so Chase was one of those kids. And so we're at Sam's Club, and we're shopping. And I was like, my, my brother, I was like, man, you're in charge of him. Like, he just, that's your sole focus. You just watch him. Well, Chase is Chase, Chase decided he was going to play hide-and-seek in Sam's Club. And so if you've been to Sam's Club, right, they've got these huge gondolas of stuff everywhere, right? And if in the, um, uh, the electronics section, right, there's the TV stands, well, there's two gondolas, and you can get in between the gondolas. So this is what Chase did somehow. He got up over the TV stands or whatever and down behind in these two gondolas, and he was just sitting there hiding. And so like 45 minutes later, we've got the store locked down. We've got the manager uh, by the arm. We're dragging people around, and we're screaming for Chase. Reagan, my wife, she's like crying. It's like it's 45 minutes later, we're freaked out, right? And finally, Chase comes out, and he's like, you found me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to kill you. And I realized it was my fault because I taught him hide-and-seek. But it hit me, right? I was thinking about this. That moment, if you've ever had it, when you think your kids are lost. Whew. Man, the terror that can come up inside of you, the emotion from thinking that you've lost your kids. It can be heavy. Today, what I want to talk about is I believe we are all children god throughout the bible we see the character of a god who is a father who loves his children who will do anything to be connected to his children that's what the whole bible is about that's what everything in the bible is about it's about a reconciliation back to our father that's why jesus came it's to reconcile us back to god And so I don't think there is anything that grieves the heart of God more than when one of his kids are lost. There's nothing that grieves his heart is when one of his kids are lost. Now, God doesn't need an iPhone app to know where his kids are, right? He knows exactly where we are um, at any moment, any given time. And yet, we as adults... We like to play hide and seek as well, though, don't we? There are moments in our life where we hide from God, right, because we don't feel like we're uh, worthy. We don't feel like we're clean enough. We don't feel like we're good enough uh, uh, to talk with God or to maybe come to church. There's maybe uh, some sin in our life that we're dealing with, and we don't feel like we can uh, uh, be called a child of God, so we hide from him because of that guilt in our life and because that shame in our life maybe there's something in our past that we don't feel we could ever get over. And so what do we do? We play hide and seek from God and we hide ourselves from him. And nothing, nothing grieves God's heart more than when we're lost and when we're hiding and when we don't think we can come back to him. And so, you know, there was a, a time In my life, where this was true of me. You know, there's a a season in my life where I did not feel like I was worthy, like I was clean enough, like I'd made some decisions that I felt like disqualified me. And so I was hiding, I was running, and I was staying away and trying to stay out of the sight of God. and I remember during that season in my life, there was this guy by the name of Dave. And, and Dave knew all about what was going on in my life. He knew everything uh, that I was going through. And yet, even as I was running and even though I knew uh, that I was running, Dave would speak to me and he'd call me and he'd be like, man, listen, God's not done with you. There's more that he has for you. God still has a plan for your life. God loves you. And God loves wants you to come back home. And so today, if I've had any impact at all in life, if any of you in this room have ever been impacted by anything that I've ever done, if anybody in, in, in this world has been impacted by anything that I've ever done, you have Dave to thank for that. Because without him, I may have never been found. I may have never returned. But it was because of him That I returned and I stopped hiding from God. And so I want you to think about your story this morning. Because I would wager a bet that there are a lot of people in here who have been in a similar situation where there's been moments, there's been seasons, there's been times in your life that you didn't feel like you could uh, be seen by God, where you didn't feel like you could go to church, or maybe you felt like you were unworthy uh, to be part. And so what I want you to know is that God uses people, God uses common, everyday, ordinary people to be his, his church, his app, right? His, his find friends app. He uses you to help find his lost kids and help bring them home. Maybe somebody's been that for you in your life like Dave was for me. And I believe that God wants to use us as the church to do this. And so I want to look at a a verse in 2 Corinthians this morning that will kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about. And and, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Um, If you don't have a a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen. And by the way, listen, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Like I use uh, the Bible app on my phone or my mobile device's. Uh, so you can do that, but if you want a Bible and you don't have one in the lobby, we would we would love to give you a Bible to take home and to have. So make sure you see them uh, after service if you'd like a Bible. But in 2 Corinthians chapter five, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and I'm gonna uh, we're gonna read it in the Message version uh, of, of the Bible because I think it really uh, um, gives us some good insight here. So 2 Corinthians chapter five verse twenty says this: We're Christ. Representatives turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a representative. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ Himself now. I love this. Become friends with God, He's already friends. With you. That line right there, I believe, is what the church is called to do. It is the message that the church is called to give. It is our mission. And in this series, the church, this is it. This is what God has called us to do become friends with God. Because he is already friends with you. That is our message to everybody, to all of his lost kids. Now listen, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do in life, uh, whatever your job, whatever your career is. Maybe you're a firefighter, a policeman, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a chef. You know, the endless things that all of us do. I I, I don't know what that is, right? Um, you know, and... All those things are important, but but what I believe this verse here is trying to get to us, what I believe this verse is trying to tell us is that all those things are important, but there's a bigger picture. There's a grander calling. There's a higher calling, a wider perspective, right, that is, that is out there. And even in the midst, Paul is calling us, to. it's a reminder, he's calling us that even in the midst of everything that we do, no matter what our career, no matter what life has for us, listen to this, we are Christ's representatives. And our message is to become friends with God. He's already friends with you. Now, as I was thinking about this, and I, you know, you could agree with me with that statement, and we could say, okay, how do we do this? How do we share this message? And so I think there's no better person, uh, it's going to seem obvious to be able to look at this, than to study Jesus in the New Testament. So that's what I want to do for the remainder of our time together today, is give you uh, some insight through a story of Jesus uh, in the New Testament, and so we can find out uh, um, how uh, to, to make this happen, how to carry this message. And so we're going to turn to the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 7. And so I'm going to set this up. What is going on right here in John chapter 4 is that Jesus had been in Jerusalem. And he had been doing ministry there. And there had been a lot of people clamoring for his attention. A lot of people pulling at him uh, to try to get him to pay attention to them. And so... After that is done, Jesus needs to get back to Galilee, which is kind of like his home base. He's returned to his home base and and, and get some rest. And so to be able to do that, Jesus has to travel north through an area called Samaria. And so the Jewish people and the Samaritans did not get along. They did not like each other at all. And so as we begin to read this passage here, Jesus is on his way back to Galilee from Jerusalem through Samaria. And he stops at a well basically stopping at a little rest stop along the highway home. And so let's pick up in verse 7 of John chapter 4 here and read together. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciple had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So here we have Jesus, he's traveling, he's tired, he had just had this long time of ministry in Jerusalem where he'd been worn out and used uh, and, and just worn out by the people. And so uh, he's finally at this rest stop, he's obviously hungry, he sends his disciples in to get food from uh, uh, the village and he's sitting down, he finally gets a moment's peace and quiet and rest and here comes this woman. And here's the beauty of and what we need to get from Jesus is yet that even though he was tired and worn out and all those things, Jesus still saw that there was something bigger going on in that moment. There was something that God was doing in that moment. And he paid attention. And, and it's this, this idea that Jesus understood this idea that, that, that we're called to be God's ambassadors, right, and we carry this message to be friends, become friends with God because he is already friends with you. And Jesus understood this in this moment. And we're going to break that down a little bit. I'll, in just a minute, I want to give you three points I think we can find in this passage to where Jesus teaches us, he models for us how we can carry and share this message uh, for the church to become friends with God for he's already friends with you. So, number one this morning, if you're taking notes, I believe what Jesus is modeling here is we need to open your focus. You need to open your focus. Now, I want to show you a video this morning to help illustrate uh, uh, attention and focus right now. Many of you maybe have seen a video like this, so don't give it away when you see it. But I would also challenge you, uh, you better pay attention closely even if you've seen a video like this before, okay? It's going to feel a little weird. But pay attention closely to the screens. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's watch this video. Anybody get that right? Ah, who missed the gorilla? Listen to this. Ah, see, that got me. That part got me. Watch it again here. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's take a poll here. Who actually saw the gorilla the first time? Okay. Of those people who saw the gorilla, how many of you saw the curtain change color? Yeah, that got me too. So there's like maybe six or seven people. How many of you didn't see the gorilla or the curtain change color? (laughs) Yes. So this illustrates a point that I want to make to you this morning. It's called in, uh, well, let me get this right because I'm going to sound stupid if I get it wrong. Inattentional, inattentional blindness can happen. And what happens in our minds is when we begin to focus in on certain things, we can become blind to obvious things that are happening around us. And so this little video illustrates that point. And and I would suggest to you today that there are often times in our life that we get busy in our jobs. We get busy in our life, right? We got to go to the doctors. We got to take the kids to practice. We got to go to the ball game. We got to go to the grocery store. We're running out of Mountain Dew, right? Like there's all these things and tasks that we have to accomplish. And what can happen is that we become blind to some obvious things that are happening around us. And so in this story, uh, Jesus is tired. He's got his own stuff that he's got to do, right? He's hungry probably. He's trying to get home. All these things are happening, but Jesus does not miss this opportunity of what God is doing in that moment with this woman who's coming to the well. And so we need to open our focus We need to open our focus. He recognizes that this is a divine encounter. It's not just a chance meeting. He opens his focus. And listen to this. Sometimes the person that God may use you to find, sometimes the person that God may use you to find is a person that you meet in the middle of doing something else. I know that's a lot of words. Sometimes the person that God wants you to help find is the person that you meet in the middle of doing something else. We need to open our focus. We weren't planning on meeting this person. We weren't planning on getting involved in their situation. We weren't planning on on, on talking to them at all. But if we open our focus and realize that God is moving and he's working in this person's life and God can use you in a powerful, powerful way to impact their lives. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to add something to your prayer time, to add something to your quiet time. If you don't have a quiet time, if you don't have prayer time, you need to start. Daily find time with God. But I want to challenge all of you to add something to that this week. I want you to add the prayer, God, open my eyes, open my focus show me some of the obvious people that you're putting in my path this week. Because it may just be somebody that you meet along the way. It may just be the cashier at the grocery store as you're buying those Mountain Dews, right? It might be the nurse at the doctor's office as you go to the, the doctor's office. Pray that God will open your eyes to those moments, that he'll open your focus, and he'll give you the courage and the, and, and the, the words to be able to use in that time. So number one is open Your focus number two this morning is to open your heart. Open your heart. Now, there's a a story that went viral not too long ago, and it's this this really interesting story. Anybody ever been part of a group text that just annoyed you? Man, my listen. I got like I said, four kids and my wife, and they'll get into these group texts, and literally my phone will vibrate constantly, like a consistent vibrate for 20 minutes. Right, Because they're just bantering back and forth and all these funny things. There's GIFs. Oh, if I see one more like GIF, funny GIF, I'm going to lose my mind. So like there's these moments you can be part of these group texts. And, and even worse, there's times where maybe you're a part of a group text and you weren't supposed to be. How bad is that? So it's not even anything to do with you. So I want to show you there's a story that came uh, that I saw not too long ago where uh, uh, this grandma had sent out a group text Uh, because her grandchild was having a baby, right? And so I want to share this with you. So she sends out the text. We're at the hospital having a baby today. She is dilated between five and six. And it's this whole group text, obviously. But but this one guy responds. He says, congrats, LOL. But I think someone has the wrong number. Right? So he's obviously part of this group text uh, by accident. But it goes on. They don't remove him. And so then she sends a picture out. Of her with the baby, seven pounds eleven ounces. And so this guy's still part of the group chat. So let me show you what he says. He says, Well, I don't know y'all, but me and the boys will be through to take a picture with this baby. (laughs) And so randomly, these guys, let's show you a picture of them. These guys show up at the hospital, they drove (laughs) forty-five minutes. They brought gifts to give to the mother and to this newborn baby, all because this grandmother accidentally entered their number into this group text. And so this story, uh, the reason I think it's so powerful, it's this idea of them opening up their heart to this random opportunity, this random situation, they opened up their heart. And I believe this idea is so powerfully, that's why this became a viral story. These guys ended up on Jimmy Kimmel live right being interviewed just because of this because there is something about when we're willing to open up our hearts we're willing to open up ourselves to other people and what's going on in their lives and so in this story we're reading here now this samaritan woman you know there are a lot of reasons why jesus shouldn't even be talking to this woman number one as i said before the jews don't interact with the samaritans They they don't like them. Matter of fact, think of the worst name that you could call somebody right now. Now, don't say it. You're in church, right? Think of the worst name that you could call somebody right now. In that time, in that culture, if you were Jewish, the worst thing that you could say, the worst name you could call somebody was a Samaritan. That's how much they didn't get along. And so Jesus stopping at this well and even speaking to this woman shouldn't have happened in that culture. Not to mention, number two, He's a man, she's a woman. In that time, in that era, you didn't do that. Men just don't randomly speak to women. It just wasn't part of the culture. And on top of that, he's a rabbi. And so on and on and on, we see all these reasons why Jesus shouldn't have even spoken to this woman. Yet in that that space, he speaks to her. He speaks to her. And, And even more, he asks her for a drink of water which again, that's a powerful statement that we could easily miss. But in that time, there was actually a phrase that was a common phrase that said that that Jewish people and Samaritans don't ever share the same cup, right? That was a common phrase uh, at that time. And so by Jesus speaking to her and by asking her to get him a drink of water, he was saying, hey, listen, let's be friends. Like I invite you into Community with me, like I accept you for who you are. And so, um, as we read on in this passage, I want to show you now she pushes back a little bit uh, along the, the, what we were talking about. So, let's read on here in, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 4 in John. It says, The woman was surprised, right? Because Jesus spoke to her. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus takes that conversation in that moment. He opens his heart to her. He doesn't just go with the stereotypes of his day. He doesn't just accept the cultural norms of his day, but he opens his heart He accepts her and he lets her know God has something special for you. And so I believe this is a reminder to us. We read in this passage as a reminder that sometimes the person God wants us to find is the person that we may never normally talk to. Sometimes the person God wants us to help find is the person we would never normally talk to. This week you may find yourself in a situation in the middle of your tasks where you run into somebody along the way and maybe that person is somebody previously you would never even consider talking to. But if we'll open our focus, if we'll see that person and then we'll open our hearts, we'll open our hearts and accept them and begin to speak to them, I believe that God will use you powerfully in their life, because it's our message, right, to all people, all of God's children who are lost, to become friends with God, because He's already friends with you. Number one, open your focus. Number two, is open your hearts, and number three this morning, uh, finally, is open your story. Open your story. Let's read on in John a couple verses ahead in John chapter four, verse verse thirteen says this, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And her reply, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Now, uh, (laughs) she's like, hey, I'll take that deal. I don't want to have to come out here, walk out here and get this water anymore. So I'll take that deal. But what we see that Jesus is doing here, he's not just, you know, he's using what is right in front of him, right? He's using the water and the well to begin with what is there and tactile, to begin to have a conversation and open up and lead her into spiritual things, right? Jesus is modeling for us a way for us to take and have a conversation and to share our story. And I want to suggest to you that God can use Your story. He can use your story to impact people that you come in contact with. And maybe you share your story, right? And I think oftentimes we can get into a scenario where we don't think we make a difference in our little story or in our little comments. And maybe in that moment that person doesn't bow down on a knee and want to receive Christ in that moment. But I believe that everything is for a purpose. And you sharing your story in that moment, maybe it's just planting a seed that later they'll remember and they'll make a decision. Or maybe you're just watering something that's been planted years ago, maybe in in kids' church or maybe in youth camp or maybe by a grandmother or a grandparent somewhere along the way that you are now just watering. And so don't discount your story and when you share it, because God can use your story and he can use it powerfully. You know, we're all children of God. Every person, we're all kids. God longs for his kids to not be lost. It's the mission of the church to to carry this message, to let people know, to become friends with God because he is already friends with us. Open our focus. Open our heart, and open our story and share it. There's uh, uh, some friends of mine who attend here, and uh, I have not come into contact with anybody who models this better in their life. Uh, I mean, they just they just live it right, and not in some overly spiritual way. I've seen them uh, invite people. Uh, in every situation that I've been in with them. And, and so there's actually a, a whole section of the church that be, that comes and it's filled up because of them. Where they've invited people uh, and they do it in a way that is just along the way. I've seen them just invite people over for a simple uh, barbecue or Super Bowl party or whatever it is and, and those people will be there and then I'll see them in a couple of weeks where they're, they've come to church and then they're here at church for a few weeks and they get saved and then in a few weeks they get baptized and then I see those people turn around and start doing the same thing and they're inviting people and, and just doing life because all along the way these people are looking for opportunities. They understand that God is moving and working all the time. And if they're always on the lookout for who they can just open their heart to and share their story with. And that's what God's called us to do. That's what the church is about. That's our mission. to Go out to find God's lost kids. Share our hearts and share our story. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we close? You know, I just want to uh, speak something over you as as we leave today. You know, remember our challenge. Remember our challenge. Pray that God will open your eyes. Pray that he'll open your focus and show you some opportunities. And then just don't be scared. Share your heart. Maybe just share a little bit of your story. Remember that challenge. And I just want to speak this over you this morning as we go. May you know that you're a child of God. May you know his love and the depths of his love for you. May you begin to see every person around you in that light, that he loves them just as much. May you open your focus and see them. May you open your heart. and May you share your story so that God's kids can be found. I love you guys. Pray for you this week. Hope to see you back next week. Got a great service planned for you. Be blessed. Have a great week.